Bears, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it. You love it. You already know what it is. It's Victory Lane. Big show again this week. Hope you guys enjoyed last week's show with Matt DiBenedetto. And we got another big guest on the program this week. He's been in the news for positive reasons on his end. It's the new driver for 2020, back with Roush Fenway Racing, Chris Busher. It's funny when timing works out in your favor, isn't it? Full disclosure, and I'll get to this when we talk to him. Uh, we recorded this episode, this interview, back in Las Vegas. So this is before any of this news came down, and we talked about JTG Doherty racing a pretty substantial amount, but he told a lot of great stories. That was really fun to listen to uh, back, and I hope you guys will enjoy listening to as much as I did speaking with him. Martin Truex Jr. once again wins at Richmond Raceway. Joe Gibbs Racing makes some history until Eric Jones and the number 20 team makes some more of their own history in a negative way. Plus, another huge, super scintillatingly sensational interview with Chris Busher, as I mentioned. Plus, a preview of this weekend, the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. As we start most of our shows nowadays, reggaeton! I'm just going to like wait for somebody to walk into my house. When I'm just screaming to myself, reggaeton, and people be like, what the hell are you doing? But it's kind of on brand for me. And if you guys listen to the show, you know that. Let's talk about the Federated Auto Parts 400 from Richmond Raceway. MTJ came, saw, and conquered for the second weekend in a row, the sixth time this season, and sweeps the season at Richmond. As I mentioned, it, this thing is like almost too good to be true for Martin Truex Jr. right now. You got to pinch yourself a little bit. I think anytime you're winning at this level, there's a little bit of a pinch me feeling, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, it, this stuff's look, this is really, really difficult. These races are hard to win. Um, you know, we, we went seven or eight races there where we were, you know, feeling like we had sh a shot to win speed wise. And, you know, we, our best finish was, I, I don't even know, you know what I mean? It's like, you got to have some things go your way sometimes, and we certainly had that the last two weeks. We've had fast race cars, and we've executed and done all the little things right, but there's still there's still other stuff that's involved. And um, you know, I feel like for me, anytime we're we're winning races, I'm happy. And uh, you know, I feel like I, I got you got to pinch me a little bit. So uh, yeah, I, I think for sure there is. But for us, we uh, we try not to get too caught up in it, and we'll we'll enjoy it tonight and tomorrow. There's no question. But back to you know Monday, it's back to work, trying to look forward to the Roval and. And do the things we need to do to go to Homestead. And he got spun by Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in the final stage. And by the way, not to bury the lead, but he's the one that Chris Busher is going to be replacing next year at Roush Fenway Racing. Again, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he only fell back to third after he got spun out by the 17, wound up coming back to battle for the lead, and he won the joint. Uh, first thing was, what the hell? <laughs> and and then just trying to keep it out of the wall, you know, I mean, uh, trying to spin it out and get going again. Um, you know, once I realized I wasn't going to hit anything and then it was just, uh, you know, hope nobody else hit me in the smoke cause there was a lot of smoke 
and just try to get it going. Just try to get going and, and lose as little little time in spots as possible. So uh, luckily, we were able to, you know, come out of that deal third and pit come into the pits third and leave the pits third. And uh, you know, because we had a big lead at that point in time, that's really what was helpful. So uh, it definitely not the way you draw them up and plan them, but um, added some uh, some drama to the race. That's for sure. Cole Pern is sitting pretty atop the pit box when he builds fast race cars like that, especially on the long run. That seems to be his in the 19 team's forte. It seems like he's just playing DJ Kyle over and over again. All he does is win, win, win. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, uh, obviously a good couple weeks, so you all know how the sport can go. Um, but, I mean, I think for us to get a one, two, three, four as a company of any track, it was going to be here. I mean, this has been uh, – you know, a really great track for uh, for JGR over the years and Toyota, you know, specifically. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, just having uh, good notes to go off of and continue to try and improve uh, improve here is so uh, so critical. And it's uh, it's hard when you're racing your teammates. Um, everybody's looking at each other's notes and you're racing each other. So it was uh, still pretty awesome. And how about this? Some history for Joe Gibbs Racing. They finished one, two, three, four for the first time in the history of their organization. Wow, that's that's amazing. Coach, how do you feel? I absolutely thrill for all of this. Um, I, what I reflect on is all the partnerships we have. When you think about Toyota, what that means to them, calling Bob and Ed and everybody on the phone tonight, it's just a huge deal. I, had a, you know, I called Johnny, couldn't get through. He's probably hunting out in some field someplace. Uh, but And then Jeff at Auto Owners, um, I, I think that's what I kind of reflect on each time. All those people, that, our sport is totally different. People gamble and come with you and say they're willing to, you know, invest some of their uh, resources with you. And then to see them get, you know, get a victory and uh, have all of you guys writing about them and everything is just a thrill. It's a thrill for all of us. Our partnership with Toyota I think about all of everybody back home. Uh, I think about JD and um, building the race team. Coy being there with us now, and our family. We're just blessed to, to have the kind of people we we have around us. And I think that, you know, when you have a night like tonight, that's just it may never ever happen again. Certainly for us, uh, it was absolute thrill, and I was just thrilled to be a part of it. So behind Martin Trucks Jr., he had Kyle Busch in second, Denny Hamlin third, Eric Jones in fourth for Joe Gibbs Racing. He gains a ton of ground after his dismal opening performance at Las Vegas. So again, the first time ever that the guys are one, two, three, four until the number 20 fails inspection. Oh, oh boy. The first time this year, I found this interesting, that a Cup Series driver has failed post-race inspection and their finish has been dequalified. We've seen it in the Xfinity Series. We've seen it in the Gander Outdoors Truck Series, but we haven't seen that take place so far this year in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. So Eric Jones, instead of finishing fourth and getting himself in really, really good position to advance to the Charlotte Roval, uh, or the round of 12, I should say, at the Roval, he is now essentially in a must-win scenario. So Cup Series competition director Jay Fabian, he's the one that speaks at all the drivers' meetings every week, he explained what went down in the inspection process. Yeah, so the 20 standard procedure um, post-race in the playoffs that we run every car through the OSS, 
Um, and then we do a post-race inspection on first, second, and then generally a random. Uh, the 20 car failed the OSS on their run through on a standard post-race inspection. And was he surprised that it took until race 28 of the season, I was, to have someone fail this inspection? Because like I mentioned, we've seen it happen in the two lower series, but this is the first one in the top series of NASCAR. Uh, that's a good question. We've we've set the standard early in the year and what we expect, and the teams have done a good job reacting to that. Um, I think, obviously, as the pressure mounts and the, years go, uh, the, the season goes on, it, it doesn't surprise me to see them pushing a little farther and trying to get a little more out of their stuff. And, and like I say, sometimes you just cross that line a little bit, and that's all you need to to, to fail. So with that finishing reorder, it shuffled the, the standings in the race a little bit. Brad Keselowski came home in fourth. Ryan Newman, fifth place run for the old cat. No neck Newman, the rocket man. Let's give a call to him. Man, he was opening my eyes during that race. I mean, he was running down the leaders, and he passed Kyle Busch for third place. Like, it was it was pretty intense. I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that he makes the championship four like he did in 2014, but all I'm saying is that he is running very well, and it's surprising me. It's surprising a lot of people, but as Kelly Stavis did a pretty good job of reporting on the NBC broadcast this past weekend, the people that it's not surprising is the driver inside that car and the team. So Newman's going to be somebody to watch moving forward. Kyle Larson, sixth. Kevin Harvick, seventh. Clint Boyer, Daniel Suarez, and Jimmy Johnson completed the top ten. The other playoff drivers that finished outside of the top ten, Joey Logano, 11th. Chase Elliott, 13th. Eric Almarola, 16th. Ryan Blaney, 17th. Kurt Busch, 18th. Not a good night for him. Alex Bowman and William Byron, 23rd and 24th, respectively. And, of course, Eric Jones is credited with a last-place finish not finishing inside the top five. So the playoff drivers had a bit of a, I mean, we all know this by now, but it's it's Joe Gibbs racing versus everybody. But, I mean, look at that. You got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven drivers outside of the top ten, or eight drivers, that is, in the playoffs. So half of the entire playoff field finished outside of the top ten. And, I mean, a lot of those guys that I mentioned, Chase, Eric, Blaney, Kurt, uh, Bowman, Byron, even Logano, they did not run well pretty much the entire night and Truex just had a car that was on rails so did Kyle Busch they were lapping the field like like it was no other but they were multiple laps down William Byron was a couple laps down um everybody among that group was fighting for the lucky dog so it was pretty interesting to see I like the 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 subplots of the race within the race is a race to stay on the lead lap. It's a race to get to pit road first. It's a race to get inside the fuel window. I, I love these little microcosms of things that go on inside of the race itself. So Martin Truex Jr. and Joe Gibbs Racing, two for two so far in the NASCAR playoffs. I'd also be remiss if we did not touch on full throttle weekend from New Hampshire Motor Speedway. We got to start off with the K&M Pro Series East, the Apple Barrel 125 from Loudoun. Ty Gibbs wins his first race ever in the series, coming one week after his win in the Arkham Menard series that came at Salem Speedway. So he had the dominant car for DGR Crosley, and clean air was king, as it usually is in the k Pro Series. Unfortunately, that's kind of how things are in today's NASCAR. But the short tracks in this series are cool. This was kind of one of the bigger tracks that we have, and it's more so about equipment than it is driver in these cases. Ty Gibbs, he's a really, really damn good driver, and his equipment is is almost as good, maybe even a little better. The 16, I believe, 
maybe 17, who knows. Your old kid finally puts it in victory lane after four second-place finishes, and he was happy to get that monkey off his back and claim that checkered flag. After four second-place finishes, P1 is where Ty Gibbs ended up today at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. It must feel pretty good for you to finally get that monkey off your back, at least in the K&M Pro Series, coming off of a win last weekend in the ARCA Racing Series as well. And now, you win her in K&M. Yeah, it was uh, <clears throat> the guys did a great job, you know, coming up and or finishing second these all these times. And, you know, it just pays off because of this win. And um, you know, car is really good there. Uh, got a little tight in the middle of the race. That's when um, Sam or uh, not Sam, um, the four car got up my bumper. But then once we got adjustment, we went out there and won. You know, car was so good that I get out and do that. But I just like to thank everybody. You know, Monster Energy, um, Oakley, everybody that just helps me get on the seal, not let me uh, race. So um, it just means a lot. This is your first time here at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Were you surprised at how fast you and your team adjusted to this track? Yeah, you know, it, the car is really good when I got here. It's just me getting used to this track. It was a really hard track. Um, the last two weeks have actually been really hard. So, um, you know, just to come here and, and learn a lot and win this race, it, it, it means a lot. And it feels really good. Bridesmaid no more. Ty Gibbs back in victory lane. Talk about Joe Gibbs Racing, one, two, three, four. Tanner Gray finished in second place. It was his best finish since his first and only to date win in the K&M Pro Series. That came at South Boston Speedway in the Twin 100 in May. Overall, he was pretty happy with his day. Yeah. A runner-up finish to his teammate for Tanner Gray today. It's been a bit of a rough stretch in the summer months for you, but I know a second-place finish has got to do wonders for you and your team, although I know you wanted that win really, really bad. Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, definitely better than it has been. You know, you always want to win, but, um, yeah, it's just it's it's good to, to come back and, and run better than we did here um, earlier in the year the guys took what we learned here earlier in the year and went back to the shop and worked on it and and definitely made it better uh coming back so that's um that's exciting and, and, and fun and uh, you know like i said they they bring great race cars to the track and they make it a lot easier on us um you know i got into the wall in qualifying and i had to start further back than, than we should have been but um you know all in all it was a good weekend and uh can't thank everybody from DGR for uh, all the hard work and and uh, sticking with me. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can go to Dover and, and build off this and, and hopefully get a win there. Did he get anything for Ty at the end, or was he just in his own zip code? Yeah, no, he was, he was definitely out there. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't have anything for him. Um, you know, I felt like I did there for a little bit, like three-quarter part of the race, and then um, no, we just fell off too much. I just got too tight. Um, but yeah, they were uh, they were definitely uh, pulling the mail. So um, you know, like I said, it'll be good for, for DGR to go back and, and see what they were doing and how they um, you know ended the race here and make it better for next time. How about Josh Berry finishing P3 in his third start in the K&M Pro Series East and his first start with Visconti Motorsports? Not bad for an old veteran, huh? Not too bad for his first start in the K&M Pro Series East. Josh Berry comes home with a podium run for Visconti Motorsports. A third-place run for you. What would you think of that considering the circumstances coming in and you not really having a lot of experience with this car or with this team? Yeah, this is, you know, yesterday was the first time with them and first time here for me. So it's, uh, you know, it's a big learning curve very quick and you only get about an hour, hour and a half of practice. And, you know, it's like I said, you just got to learn quick. And, you know, I felt like we had a pretty good car in qualifying or in the practice and in race tram, especially late in the race. And, um, you know, we just kept we just kept working on it in the, at the beginning. And, you know, on the first pit stop, we were able to work on it a little bit. And, and throughout that second run, it seemed like 
it kind of clicked for me a little bit. I'm like on the direction we needed to go, and, and you know we made made a good call there. You know when we put the tires on to get the car tightened up, and, and you know it went there at the end. I definitely I think we're probably a little bit better than Tanner. It's just you know without driving through him, you know it's just so hard to pass in dirty air. And, and uh, like I said, I, it's a lot to learn, but all in all, I'm just very thankful to be here. You know John Visconti, Bruce, and everybody at Visconti Motorsports did a great job and. You know, like I said, I'd love to come come do it again, and you know, hopefully we can put that together. Well, you guys will most likely come do it again next year. Obviously, only one more race left here in the season in 2019. But what does this do confidence-wise for you? Because, like like we mentioned, this is your first time with this team, with these cars, and a third-place run beating out some of the best guys in this series. It's got to do wonders for your guys' confidence, especially moving forward into next year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're just a great group. They you know, remind me a lot. Of, they're just a good, you know, family atmosphere, and and it's just a lot of fun. You know. I, Early in the race, I was struggling, man. I just was like, I couldn't figure out what we needed to do. And like I said, the longer I went there, like I said, it started to feel, you know, figure it out. And it just comes down to I just don't have a lot of experience in these cars or this track, these tracks. And you know, just need to get some more laps. And and then I think we can, you know, make the car a little bit better practice. You qualify a little bit better and get a little better track position. Then we're going to be in the hunt for wins. Spencer Davis came home in fourth. He was coming off of his win at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, and Sam Mayer finished fifth now sam is up 30 points on chase cabry who finished six who we're going to talk to in one second so pretty much all sam has to do is show up to dover start the race and he will clinch the 2019 championship because think about it he's 30 points up on second there's not going to be 30 cars at dover and he's probably going to finish inside of the top five unless something crazy catastrophic happens so, I mean, lit, I don't have the clinching scenarios in front of me, but I'm, I'm 99.99999% sure. If he starts the race and takes the green flag, he wins the championship. So, Sam Mayer, early congratulations to you. But ain't done yet. As my boss at NASCAR.com, Jason Chrisley, told me uh, last year that has happened because Tyler Dipple essentially got fired from DGR after New Hampshire because he tried to wreck his teammate Tyler Ankrum. So, it's not unprecedented, folks, but I have no uh, worries about Sam showing up to Dover in that 21 car for GMS Racing and competing and running well. So I mentioned Chase Cabry. He led a handful of laps. Uh, not a handful. He led a little bit of the race. Ty Gibbs dominated the whole thing. But Chase started on the pole. He was very, very quick in practice earlier in the day, or the day before, I should say. But a bad set of tires is what sent his day spiraling out of control he knew it was a long shot going in to win the championship and he's kind of he's kind of let that kind of white flag go up in the air because he knows that he's not going to catch Sam as long as they keep bringing those cars to the track but he was just kind of upset at the circumstances that happened let a handful of laughs but unfortunately Chase Cabry cannot defend his victory here in New Hampshire what happened on that restart where he lost a bunch of ground and it seemed like after that second break your car was never really the same yeah I don't know I um, guess we got a bad set of tires. Everybody's been going through it this year. Uh, they complain about it a lot on the Arca side, and we just got a bad set. And we go from a winning race car to a race car can't even contend for a top five. It's, it's a shame. Uh, nobody can do anything about it. Crew can't, you know, expect that to happen. It's just something that happens, I guess. Uh, it just really sucks to see that because my guys really put a lot of effort uh, which they do every week and uh, we had the car to beat this week uh, Ty and me 
we traded the top spot a couple times, and uh, it's been a lot of spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to pass. So I knew we were better uh, in that whole first 80 laps. I just couldn't figure out exactly how to get around them because the aero deal. So uh, finally got around them and started to pull away. Caution come out. We put on tires. Ended up six months race car. So uh, it's a shame. Seventh and eighth place belong to his rev racing teammates, Ruben Garcia Jr. and Nick Sanchez. Ninth place, Justin Carroll. And tenth place, Farmer Bob, Robert Pulowski. Give a call to him. His first ever K&N oval start. Scratch that. His first ever oval start. He'd only raced at Watkins Glen before. So give a call to him. Very cool. Max McLaughlin finished in 13th place. He was running a tribute paint scheme for Mike Stefanik, who passed away the week prior. And I also want to say as an aside, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, if I wasn't holding the mic with my one hand, I'd be clapping for you because, bravo, you guys did an incredible job, and so did the sanctioning body itself and everybody that was in attendance at Full Throttle Weekend honoring Mr. Stefanik and the memory that he left and imprinted on the sport and the modified tour specifically. But Max ran a paint scheme to him because his team owner, Mike Grichy, or team owner is Shiggy Hattori, but Mike Grichy, who's the GM over at Hattori, he owns Stefanik's Bush North car when he won those two titles back in the day. So it was a really cool paint scheme. They changed the number from 1 to 51. But unfortunately, they came home in 13th place, never really had anything to challenge for the win uh, or had speed all weekend. And we found out after the fact that that was because something was broken. Not the best weekend for Max McLaughlin. Obviously running a really cool paint scheme tribute to Mike Stefanik. Unfortunately, could not put him in victory lane. You guys are struggling all weekend with the handling, and that's kind of just the bare the run of it. What, what were you guys struggling today mostly? Uh, you know, we just got a broken component on our race car, and we didn't. I mean, it's our fault for not finding it earlier. You know, uh, we uh, it's <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, man. It's it's a it's a bummer because I feel like we. Uh, you know, we're a lot better than this, and we struggled all weekend because we had a broken part on our race car, and, um, you know, probably was broke all weekend. So um, it's unfortunate, but uh, it is what it is. That's racing, and um, we'll fix it, and we'll be back stronger. I assume you guys don't know what it is yet? No, we got a good idea. Yeah, we got a good idea. So um, just bummed we didn't find it sooner. Also want to touch on the NASCAR Pinty Series. Andrew Ranger won that event. Kevin Lacroix was running second. Uh, and he actually got spun out coming to the checkered flag. Major damage, and he finished like 50 or 60 feet short of the start-finish line. So that's kind of a big, big damper on his championship hopes. And the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour was also in action. That was kind of the main event of Full Throttle Weekend. The Musket 250, Bobby Santos III wins his first Musket 250. Not the first time he's won at New Hampshire. I believe his fifth or sixth win overall. John McKennedy finished in second place, Doug Kobe third. There was a lot of different uh, tempers flaring at, at, after the race in the garage area. I have never heard so many grown men with Boston accents screaming and shouting at each other across the way. It was, it was a sight to behold and a sight to see. So Ty Gibbs, congratulations to you. Andrew Ranger, congratulations to you. Bobby Santos III, congratulations to you. Mike Stefanik, rest in peace. We enjoyed watching your cars hit the track for one last time as a tribute to you, my friend, uh, and New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Thank you to you for hosting another wonderful Full Throttle Weekend. Interview time. I talked about it before. It's JTG Doherty Racing's Chris Busher. Now, as I mentioned, we recorded this episode at Las Vegas Motor Speedway before the news came out of him moving to Roush Fenway Racing for next season. As I'm recording this on Wednesday afternoon, the news dropped like an hour or two ago. 
So I, I literally saw it come across my screen and I was like, huh, would you look at that? We're having him on the show this week. Um, which, by the way, let's talk about that for a second. Holy moly, Roush Fenway Racing seems to have a dark horse of a team brewing. You got Ryan Newman, who we talked about, is killing the game right now. Um, and then you got Chris Busher, who up until during this interview, the streak actually ended at Richmond, he had 15 straight top 20 finishes. I believe it was 16 because he got one at Las Vegas. And for JTG, who's kind of like n- not a mid-pack team, as we talked about in this interview, but they're not on the top tier. That's really, really damn impressive because he's one of those guys that doesn't tear his stuff up, takes care of what he's got. If he has a 20th place car, he'll run 15th with it. If he have a, if he has a 15th place car, he'll run 10th with it. And if he has a 30th place car, he'll probably run 25th or 30th. Like I think I want to look at the speed rankings, if I had motorsports analytics, for the production and equal equipment rating or the speed rankings for Chris Busher's number 37 team because he's one of the guys in the garage for my money that outperforms his equipment. Uh, and I think him moving to Rash Fenway Racing, where, as we talked about, he won an Xfinity Series championship back there a handful of years ago and a lot of races in that series. This team with Newman and Busher might be like the stealthiest, quietest, top 10, top 15, your way to death team in the NASCAR Cup Series next year. So we talked about a lot of different things. Um, he's a really, really good storyteller. So you're going to hear about the stories of meeting his wife on Craigslist. Can't make that up. Deciding when to make racing a profession instead of a hobby. Embracing the Chad persona because he was sponsored by Natter Days that weekend. Reliving his ARCA Racing Series days, including an accomplishment that not one other driver has done in the history of the series. Stay tuned for that. His Xfinity title 2015. Why he was confused when he crossed the finish line in Miami and was the champion. That was kind of funny, too. Reliving his Pocono win in 2016 for Front Row Motorsports in the fog. His efforts so far with JTG Doherty Racing and the consistency factor I talked about. And of course, so, so, so much more. He's a really cool, low-key guy. Um, As I mentioned, really good storyteller. I enjoyed chatting with him. I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, pleasure to be joined now by Chris Busher, driver of the 37 for JTG Doherty Racing. I was just talking with one of your bosses, Jody Schichter, and she told me how you met your wife when you were 19, 20 years old, buying a tractor. Yeah. Um, that story needs <laughs> to be told, my friend. Yeah, so I guess uh, if you want to put it in simplest terms, we met off of a Craigslist ad. Uh, I know that Even sounds better. really bad when we put <laughs> yeah. it that way. She hates it when I say that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, in, in the grand scheme of things, I was working at, uh, at actually David Reagan's shop, uh, another driver out here uh, uh-huh. before I was... Uh, you know, got my brakes along the way, and um, he, uh, his dad had an old tractor that he had bought and worked on and got running, and David got tired of it sitting at his shop, so he put a Craigslist ad up trying to get rid of, a, of an old bulldozer, okay. and uh, my wife's dad, uh, I think his friend is actually the one that, that came and bought it, but they came down together, loaded up and everything, and um, my wife was going to UNCC at the time, so it was like... 15 minutes down the road and uh, so while her dad was in town he said hey come over and see me I haven't seen you in a while and uh, from there kind of spun out of control so uh, <laughs> definitely got, got pushed a, a little bit along the way um, but yeah I, I guess uh, w- when you look at it it sounds really bad when you just say we met off a of Craigslist ad it sounds a slightly less bad when you say it was a Craigslist ad for a tractor and, and, and 
built from there. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, the, the tractor part, it's funny. It's not, I guess, it's unique, but it's not bad. Craigslist sounds worse. Craigslist sounds Wait, really bad, you're, doesn't You're it? happily married now. <laughs> you're enjoying the married life. It's good now. Oh, yeah. It was good then. It was, it was great. Exactly. So, yeah, we've been... Uh, Craigslist making memories forever. Well, let's not go too far, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've uh, shoot, we've been together uh, about eight years now. Been yep. married for um, year and a half now. So yeah, Very cool. yeah, worked out really good. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, I want to go all the way back to start out with your Prosper Texas roots. So if if I have my information correctly, you started racing around like 2005 ish when you were like 13 years old or so. I would say um, so. I started racing motorcycles when I was about six. Okay. Um, got into uh, Bandoleros and uh, Legends Cars. Got in that series when I was nine, and uh, I think Legends Cars came at twelve. Okay. Uh, and so that's when started. Well, we started on two wheels and then progressed to four. Exactly. And when we got the Legends Cars, that's when we started traveling a lot. Uh, started hitting a lot of uh, East Coast races during the summers. Um, started uh, actually traveling out here to Vegas quite often, racing out at the Bull Ring right uh yep, right, right down outside the, road. the Speedway. So uh, met some great friends out here along the way that uh, that come out to most every Vegas race and get to hang out with them uh, you know a lot of cool uh, cool memories from from very early on and uh, shoot think about it now that's 13 years ago I'm getting old but uh, <laughs> it, it is cool I, I can remember coming out here a long time ago uh, being an unaccompanied minor on a plane having to pay that extra hundred dollars so that you could have somebody walk you from the uh, terminal to, uh, to to baggage claim or back security. Then. Oh man, it was expensive being young. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I can remember a lot of a lot of travel when we started racing out, and um, you know definitely uh, a lot of a lot of awesome relationships made along the way. So what what was the point where you guys kind of thought, okay, this is becoming from a hobby, that's something we're doing like every now and then in Texas to. I'm going to put my son on a plane, pay the extra $100, and this is going to become an actual thing that we're pursuing. So uh, that's probably the number you talked about. That was, that was at 13. Okay. Um, you know, started racing Legends Cars at 12, uh, had some good success pretty quick, and uh, was young. And, and, you know, competition level in Texas was, was pretty good at the time. Um, but for us, it was like, all right, well, if you want to be around the best of the best, you got to go out to the home of racing and, and go out to Charlotte, go run the summer shootout. It was a televised series. Uh, not only that, we went down to Atlanta, ran Thursday Thunder, um, was there 10, uh, 10 race series through the through the same stretch of summer. Mm -hmm. We ran uh, we ran 60 something races in three months. Wow! Uh, when I was 13, I can't tell you how many pairs of jeans I went through, ripping <laughs> holes in the knees, spilling gear oil from oh, changing God, gears, yeah. uh, resetting up pretty cars. Tired. We we ran ourselves in the ground, and uh, a buddy of mine that took me racing back then. Uh, is actually still uh, still with me. He drives uh, drives the motorhome to about half of the cup races now That's for awesome. me. So uh, we still get to travel around quite a bit together. And um, but but yeah, it was, it was 13. Uh, we were in Texas, sitting in our living room, and um, it was coming close to the end of the school year. And we we're sitting there. I remember talking. It's like, all right, well, if we want this to be a hobby, that's great. No, we'll uh, we'll keep doing this like we are. We'll have fun, and um, you know. You can keep going to school, keep grades up, and uh, get ready for a real job. And uh, like, or you know, school gets out sometime in May. I said, as soon as it gets out, you're not going to have that summer vacation. You're going to get in a truck. You're going to haul out to Charlotte. You're going to work and race, and and you know, start trying to make this a career. Starting, start getting the right relationships built. Um, start getting the results. And I was like, man, well, that sounds awesome. Like, I, I, I could do that. <laughs> no so, brainer. Uh, 
Yeah, we packed up and loaded up and uh, headed out east. So uh, for me, that was uh, it was an early decision. Um, hard on my uh, hard on my family for sure because my, my mom and dad uh, weren't able to come travel all the time with me. So uh, a lot of it was uh, was me and Michael uh, driving across the country and, and you know working out of uh, people's garages along the way out of. Uh, uh, some of the cup garages actually when when we were in town at Atlanta we'd go back to the to the old cup garage on the back stretch and uh, working on uh, 96 99 degree days uh, just brutal but at the time it was uh, it was still a lot of fun really enjoyed it uh, learned a lot along the way and made a lot of relationships that really um, really built to, to helping me land here today and most of the drivers that I talk to I always like to ask them about the the days when they were getting started in the sport because they always perk up and that's when I kind of sense that that's when things were really really fun where you didn't have to worry about the business side of things or sponsorship engagements and don't get me wrong that's still fun and we and you know that's part of the sport but back then that's when none of that stuff really mattered and you were just going to the racetrack to race yeah and I think um it is. It's just a, a simpler time, and uh, at that age, it's simple. Life in general, is simpler, right? Oh, yeah. You know, you don't realize that uh, you have to get a job to make money, and that everything costs. I mean, and you, uh, you know, when you're hungry, you you wouldn't got food. Someone else paid for it. You know, you, yeah. when you had to uh, go to the racetrack, somebody put fuel in the truck. You didn't didn't think about all. You were oblivious stuff. to all so, that stuff. Exactly. I realize how how expensive racing is nowadays, <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, all the other stuff that comes along with it. Uh, you didn't think about back then, uh, but you get around the right group of people, and it can be a lot of fun. So, um, actually, right before you got here, uh, we have a natural light seltzer on board for uh-huh. Vegas weekend here. Uh, so, to uh, the guy and girls from uh, from the seltzer here and uh, hanging out with us, we were inside, absolutely cracking up. Um, been a lot of fun with, with them. Uh, we've had a lot of fun with the Natterdays car yep. at the uh, the first Vegas race, and uh, the Seltzer car has been a big hit as well. So uh, we're really enjoying it. We're having fun with it. Uh, you know, trying to embrace that that Chad persona for me during the weekend. <laughs> My best friend's uh, name is Chad. Uh, all right, so uh, don't tell him about this. And uh, this this is not meant to Chad. Be, stop listening right now, please. Feelings. Um, but turned that hat around backwards had a flamingo shirt at the first yeah. race and um, i was just telling jody about that yeah yeah we really try and embrace we have a lot of fun with it so yeah. uh, always always a blast having natural light on board uh they're a ton of fun to work with so when uh like i said when you get the right brands it uh it still doesn't feel like work the paint scheme looks pretty dope too pretty nice so yeah. uh, not only did uh, the paint scheme come out excellent it says aloha beaches on the yes, on the it tail panel which is absolutely awesome <laughs> Uh, we got a helmet painted up. Uh, oh, yeah. Looks looks terrific. Kind of mixed in some of the Natterdays flamingos in with the uh, the sharks and the Loja beaches uh, flavor paint scheme. So um, it, it's it's been a lot of fun. We're really enjoying it and uh, play it off this in a big way. That's sweet. So let's fast forward a little bit from you guys racing and going all over the country. Let's talk about 2012. That's when you won your ARCA Series championship. I'm, I'm curious, what do you remember about that year? Because statistically, you guys were, were very dominant, even the year before as well. That had to be a really fun year for you. I had a blast. Um, the the Rua Brothers race team out of Midlothian, Illinois, uh, is where we raced. Raced with them for four years, two part-time seasons running short tracks. And uh, 2011 was our first full year. Got a couple of wins in there. And uh, in 2012, we killed it, man. Uh, what I remember most is, uh, I guess, two things. Number one, we finished every lap of competition on the racetrack all year. Uh, not a single time did we finish a lap down. If we had damage, we fixed it and got back to the lead lap. 
uh, Salem, Indiana, we had a car that was destroyed. Uh, the deck lid falling off, uh, hole knocked in the grill, overheating, and uh, we finished second with that thing. I mean, wow. if you could see the pictures of it after the race. I'll have to look them up. It looks horrific. Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't look like something that should have even driven, and we just had a group that, that worked so hard. Um, like I said, that Ruo Brothers race team, they were they were so much fun to, uh, to be around. We worked... Uh, I won't say it the way I want to say it, but we worked hard. Uh, <laughs> we we worked insane hours that year, putting uh, a lot of different race cars on track, a lot of different chassis numbers. Uh, we had another driver, Brandon Davis, that ran a part-time schedule with us as well. Um, and we didn't really add any people to be able to do that. So uh, we, we worked extremely hard. We had a lot of fun. Uh, at the time, it, it, it almost wore you down knowing that you were putting in those 85, 90-hour work weeks. Yeah. Uh, it did wear you down. You know, you were wore out, but you look back now, and um, man, that's some of the most fun I've ever had. So, uh, something to be said about that. And, and it um, paid off. And, and it did. We had an excellent year. We won, uh, I think we won five races that year, won a championship. Like I said, we, we completed every lap of competition, which uh, has never been done in, in their history and wow. uh, has not been done since. Uh, so, for us, I think that was a pretty awesome statistic. Um, you know, it was just, uh, just a year that really got everything in motion, gave you a ton of confidence. Uh, before that, I really hadn't run a whole lot of large stock cars, uh, very minimal weight model races, didn't have that big car experience and, and any wins in big cars mm -hmm. uh, to amount to a whole lot. So, um, you know, that was the, the year that really got us fired up, got a, got a lot of confidence built up and able to go into the Xfinity side and uh, hit the ground running. That's what led me right into my next question. So then you, you, you do a little bit part-time Xfinity stuff, and then you keep moving up with Roush Fenway Racing, and 2015 you guys win the championship there. Take me back there. What were some of the memories you had right there? I, I remember the picture clear as day. I've never seen you as excited as you were at Homestead when you were just celebrating <laughs> that championship. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty emotionally flat-lined guy. Uh, I definitely don't get, uh, get way up or way down. But um, that, was, that was a year that... Uh, <laughs> I, I, we've never had an easy year where everything's gone super smooth. So we started. Never off, seems to happen that we way. Never, we didn't even know we were going to run a full season. Uh, you know, it was it was week by week early on. Uh, got to the point where we were leading points, and I'm like, hey, uh, there's a chance in in two or three weeks we're we're going to have to be done. And uh, we were able to 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 go win a race, um, go get a couple that year, and uh, really get to the point where it was hard for anybody to try and take us out of the right. points lead and the wins and uh, that you can't stop running the championship if you're the points. Exactly. So it worked out really good. Uh, it was stressful early on, I'm but sure. we got into a really good spot. Um, I remember coming down the stretch. We were uh, battling with, with with Chase for uh, for the championship then, and uh, we got to Darlington. Darlington was one that I felt like was a, a, a good turning point for us. Uh, we unloaded. We were not very good. Um, struggled. We had a uh, we had Advocare on board. It was a awesome looking uh, yellow and green. It looked like a John Deere painting, but it was about checkered board, terrific looking Shout car. Out to Chad I still Little. have the door off that car actually. Oh yeah. From Darlington. It's got some stripes. Uh, that's what I'm getting to. Uh, we were horrible in practice, changed everything, went out, qualified pretty good. Lap one, turn two, I stuffed it in the fence. Out of boy. The corner, right sided it. Big old Darlington strike. I was like, oh man, that's that's not good. And from there on, that car was a rocket. I mean, we had an awesome day, so it actually got better. Um, <laughs> Christie's never like it when you tell him that. It got better after I hit the yeah. wall, but it did. <laughs> I'm sure, like, uh, don't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they don't like to hear it, but um, we were able to, to go out that day, finished um, 
uh, top five. Uh, really got a big point swing. I think um, uh, I think Chase might even had some uh, a motor issue or something that week. So it was a huge swing in points for us, and really set us up to get through the the next handful of races to be able to go into Homestead and have that gap. Um, pre-playoffs so it was the old school style of racing yep uh, that race one mattered just as much as that that last one consistency so was key that was it we won a couple races we ran extremely consistent uh, we didn't tear much up and uh, we were able to pull that thing off with uh, I think 13th was our number we had to finish if chase won and um, yeah for uh, I think it ended up we didn't have to finish better than I think like 17th or 18th by the yeah. time it was all said and done so it was uh, it's almost an easy day in Homestead uh, I got yelled at a lot, uh, a lot of uh, like three wide situations. Don't do that! Don't do that! We don't need that spot. It's like I can't do that. I want to race, man. Yeah. Like I'm a racer. I got to go past exactly. him. He's in my way. Like <laughs> we're better than that. I want to go, and uh, I got yelled at. So um, I do remember that quite often. That uh, they were trying to tone me back, and um, you know I think we we were able to run probably around tenth pretty pretty easily, and. They kept trying to back me up, and I just wasn't, wasn't okay with that. So uh, it worked out great. We got that championship. Uh, nobody said anything when we came across the line. I made it all the way down really? the back stretch, like almost back to the front. It's like, hey, uh, somebody tell me something nothing? here. Like, nothing. I but, was like, but I you, knew, we but you knew that, that you guys were, were I knew there. we finished that spot the way yeah. we needed to, but nobody told me Nobody anything. said congratulations. No, I was so confused. I was, I was scared <laughs> to death. So uh, it ended up, uh, we got it there. That was an awesome, awesome night. Um, Got to hang out in uh, in Homestead through the weekend, and uh, you know it was just a, a big deal. So that was the first uh, first year Xfinity sponsored the series. Um, you know they came came in and did it in a huge way. Got to celebrate with with all of those folks, and uh, still get to see them around the garage area a lot. So that's uh, that's always neat, and remember that. Um, it's uh, one of the all the trophies I've gotten have actually been pretty awesome. I've been pretty fortunate to win the races with the coolest trophies other than a Martinsville clock so far. We got that we'll get huge there. Uh, we'll get there. That huge fuel pump from Iowa. Uh-huh. Uh a miles from uh, from Dover. Dover. Um got that that massive eagle and American flag from Pocono. Pocono. You have a and, Nashville um, guitar. You know, I never got to race Nashville. I, I never got so, that opportunity. Yeah. Um I think Maybe my cousin might have won there. And so I think he did end up with a guitar, but you know, I think uh, for me, I was able to get some really cool trophies early yeah. on. And, uh, it's our good man cave. It does. It does, and that Xfinity <laughs> trophy looks killer as oh, yeah. well. So that was awesome. So you're setting the world on fire in Xfinity, and then you move up to Cup, and you casually just win a race in your rookie season. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that that race at Pocono, you had to be praying to Mother Nature, say, bring the fog, come on, bring it on. So, we were going down the back stretch, and uh, I think we were running second, and uh, we were waiting on someone in front of us to pit. And to just try and see if you know if they were going to stay out. We were getting ready to have to pit. We were really close on fuel. Yeah. And uh, and all of a sudden, like fog started rolling in. He hit pit road. Now I think it might have been McMurray. And uh, I was like, huh? I was like, okay, that seems bold. Yeah. And uh, we go down the back stretch for about a lap. Spotter comes over and goes, uh, hey, it's getting pretty foggy back there. I he can't see you real see well. He said, uh, can you see? I was like, oh yeah, I'm good. I can see fine. <laughs> and he's like, uh. No, you I, sure? I, I really am having a hard time seeing you. I was like, uh, uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty bad. And um, That's great. Yeah, so we actually made it like two more laps because I was an idiot. And uh, and then the fog really did roll to the point where it was scary. Uh, yeah. you, could just, you just couldn't see the corner coming up. Spotters couldn't see you. And, uh, and then we ran under caution forever. Like, we were going to run out of fuel if we just kept running under caution. 
and um, you know, finally red flagged it. Sat on pit road for 80 something minutes, I believe. Um, you know, there was a certain doom coming in with that storm. I mean, yeah. we knew we weren't going back green, but we waited it out till uh, till a pretty dangerous time. So uh, by the time we got to Victory Lane and uh, to the media center, um, I left the media center and the garage was up, flooded up to almost my knees. Jeez. Uh, I could barely get back to my home. I just waddled That's through That's par it. for the course for Pocono, uh, though. Pretty much, pretty much. So uh, we didn't get to celebrate the right way. I didn't get a burnout in, didn't get yeah. to uh, go to the real Victory Lane there, which is so cool yeah. up on the terrace. Um, so unfortunately, we didn't get to do Still all got the, the trophy, right though. things. Still got the trophy. Yeah. And that's what matters at the end of the day. It so, is. So you run with front row for a little bit, and now you're here over at JTG Doherty Racing. 15 straight, I believe, top 20 finishes. I think that's one of the more underappreciated stats that's going on right now in the Cup Series. You, I feel like you're the type of guy that you don't tear your stuff up. You go about your business quietly, more, more of a reserve type guy. And I feel like there's not a lot of those guys left in the Cup Series. But you guys have had a really solid season. We have. Um, it, it's been a really good year. Uh, it was a good off season. Uh, everybody back at the shop worked really hard to, to put really competitive cars on the track, really nice race cars. Um, started off with the West Coast swing, had a pretty good good swing there. Uh, it's always hard to keep up there, so we got a little behind um, by the time we got back and uh, spent a little time getting stuff back where we needed. And within just a handful of races, we are able to do that. Uh, and then get into the stretch of just awesome races. And, um, you know, we look at uh, – we, we did miss the playoffs, which uh, which is a bummer. That was uh, kind of our far-out goal. Mm -hmm. You know, for us, I think we wanted to finish um, about 10 spots better average than we did last year. And last year we were fighting for top 25s a lot, and uh, we finished top 15 a lot this year. So um, finished 16th like six times. So we've yeah. been really, really close to that uh, top 15 for most of the season which is awesome, um, big, big improvements. Uh, you know, you, everyone will tell you they can take out a race or two and it'll change their, but, uh, right. their, their outlook, but the two speedway races for us definitely, uh, we, we didn't get any points out of either of them. So uh, they, uh, they, they really hurt our chances early on. Um, and then a uh, couple of small things that got us that uh, we could have we cleaned up and might have put us in a, in a better position. Um, like I said, everyone can tell you something that they could do different. It would be there, right. but uh, we, we really had a good shot at it. And um, came up a little short this time, but really proud of the effort. Um, shoot, the, the last several months, they've just been really, really solid. Uh, we've had practices that we've showed up and been awesome off the truck. We've had practices where this crew's worked harder than, than I ever want to have to see them work in, uh, in some really brutal hot summer days um, and gotten it much better to the point where we get to the race and we're able to go grab a, a top 15 finish so um, just a great job everybody's done done really really good work this season and um, the results have definitely shown and we've been able to, uh, to really get after it. For mid-pack teams like you guys consistency is one of the key factors and not only staying afloat but being competitive and being relevant and I'm curious as to what your perspective on is on running for a mid-pack team like JTG, he did a front road. See, I mean, like, in the climate that is today's NASCAR Cup Series, where, let's face it, money wins out, how tough is it to run for this mid-pack team and be, be conscious of not tearing up the equipment, gaining the respect of your competitors, not only for yourself, but for your organization as a whole? You know, I'd say um, we're a medium-sized team. I, I don't consider us to be a mid-pack team. You know, we look at it as a um, every week is an opportunity for us to overperform. Um, and, and really capitalize on what we have. And so, uh, you know, we are a, a smaller team than a lot of these out here. Um, 
when you take in and you add up uh, 400 cars, when you add in uh, three Penske and, and, a, and a Wood Brothers car, when you add in, um, uh, you know, Stuart Haas cars and Ganassi cars, and you look at all those super teams, so to speak, that uh, you go in there and put in, I mean, that puts you – if you finish 19th or uh, it's 19th or 20th, something like that, yeah. That's uh, that's where you it's would finish day. if you if you finish behind all those cars that you're expected to, right? Mm-hmm. We are overdoing that. You know, we have outrun cars that are overfunded compared to us that are absolutely, um, you know, been around maybe longer, whatever the case be. Uh, we've been able to outrun them and uh, on a pretty inconsistent basis. I mean, we're uh, we're outrunning a lot of them in points. So uh, for us, that's um that's a really big deal and. Um, you know, I think it just goes to show that we've been able to use that consistency to uh, to really build out a, a solid season. We've had um, had a lot of speed at times, and uh, our qualifying speed's been down, but our race speed's been terrific. And uh, that's something that's uh, made it hard at the beginning of the race. We've had um, been hard to get good pit stalls because of it, but uh, but at the same time, we've been able to race really well and uh, and get away from a lot of people that. Uh, we would otherwise have been around in the, in the past couple of years. So uh, I know for a fact that um, we, we stepped our game up in a big way this season uh, over the, the first two years I've been here. And it showed with, the, with those uh, 15 straight top 20 finishes. And we, all, we always know that sponsorship is key in motorsports. Let's see, we got one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight. You don't have nine, time, 10. man. Let's just say 20 plus <laughs> sponsors here. Do you ever forget like who's on your car for the week and how many sponsors you have? I, I, don't, uh, I don't forget who's on the car for the weekend, but um, I will say that we have some awesome partners with, uh, with Kroger really being such a big part of our program mm-hmm. over here and, uh, and all the sponsors that come along. Uh, and on are on board as well with Bush's uh, baked beans with uh, with Clorox Scott products. Uh, you know everybody that really makes um, makes this deal go around in in the best way possible. So uh, and then uh, of course all the other brands that, that go with uh, with Kroger and you know when you look at uh, what got Hidden Valley and and Jif and Slim Jim and There's Maxwell so House. Many. Oh, we had a, a planners, have, uh, planners paint scheme. We've had a, a gain paint scheme that I love. I'm a green fan, so I always like the gain paint scheme. Uh, man, I, I can't I can't keep up with all the one offs. I can't. And uh, we have a ton more coming through the rest of the season as well. <laughs> sure. So uh, so try and keep up. It's um, it's hard to find our car on a weekly basis because it does change a lot. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's a, that can be a really good thing. I'm sure Kelly has a hard time keeping up with all these sponsors. I feel like too. they're uh, she's got like cue cards ready for for when yeah. the day comes. Just be yeah. like, all right, let's start reading down this list here. So. It works. Whatever you got to do to get the job done. Uh, how has Ryan Priest been as a teammate? He's obviously a rookie this season. Has he leaned on you at all to kind of glean some advice and what's it like to race in the Cup Series? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think uh, Ryan's. There you have it. Currently JTG Doherty Racing's driver, but next year will be Roush Fenway Racing's Chris Busher. If you like what you heard, please go ahead, tweet me at Davy Center, Kathleen at KHI Fan. Thank you so freaking much. You literally made my morning. I got a tweet from her saying, I love listening to Victory Lane. Davey does a great job at the interviews. And I, Kath, me and Kathleen have known each other for a little bit, but that that honestly meant a lot because I kind of look at the analytics, and I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, it's not good. I knew it wasn't going to be good. There's a lot of competition out there in the podcast world, especially NASCAR. But I really, really appreciate notes like that. So, Kathleen, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I really do appreciate that. If you guys like what you heard, tweet me your thoughts. Leave a rating. Leave a review on iTunes. Tell your friends about me and this podcast. I, Like I tell you guys, I work like two, three hours a week prepping for this stuff. 
Um, I think it's pretty good. I don't want to like be that humble guy or anything, but I know I put in a lot of work to this and I think the fruits of my labor are beginning to pay off. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Let's look ahead real quick to the Charlotte Roval and the K&M Pro Series West at Meridian Speedway out in Idaho. I will be there on site for NASCAR home tracks, but let's talk about the Cup Series first. Bank of America Roval 400 Charlotte Motor Speedway. This is the round one cutoff of the playoffs, and we are going to see some wild and wacky stuff. Ryan Blaney is the defending winner of the race, but I don't think that or really anything else matters going into this race because it's just such a huge unknown. This is the wild card to end all wild cards. Let's take a quick peek at the playoff grid as well. So right now the four below the cut line are Alex Bowman. He's two back of the transfer spot. Clint Boyer's five back. Kurt Busch is 15 back. And Eric Jones in basically a must-win scenario. He's 45 points back. But the people that are ahead of them, Ryan Blaney, Eric Amarola, William Byron, they're all only within 10 points of falling below the cut line. So you got four, five, six, seven drivers that are kind of within like 25 points of each other. And what is that, six that are within 10 almost? So that's pretty That's pretty entertaining, if I do say so myself. Last year, the finish to the race was insane because you had Truex and Johnson battling for the win. Jimmy locks up his tires. He spins out, then spins into Truex, and Blaney comes out of nowhere in third place and wins the race. Then you guys remember what happened with Kyle Larson? So he was tore all to hell. He was bouncing his car off the wall, coming out of turn four, barely able to turn the thing, hit it off the wall, coming to the start finish line, passed Jeffrey Earnhardt by a nose, and that one position got him in to the next round. Unbelievable stuff that we saw at the Roval last year. And remember when Brad Keselowski drove everybody off a cliff into turn one? That was fun. And I hope my homies are listening. Everybody in Clout 9, uh, you guys are going to be there. It's going to be a great show. Uh, if you guys don't know, so you, you guys have definitely seen this video. It was Elijah, Dalen, Brad, Mark, Ryan, Will. I'm probably forgetting some people. Um, I think Maya was there, maybe some other people. But they were in Christian Espinoza's condo. We call it Condo Corner, trademark, all rights reserved, copyright. And when the finish happened, the video to end all reaction videos happened, and it was just so funny to watch. And it was actually in NASCAR and Charlotte's promotion and it was actually in NASCAR and Charlotte's promotional videos leading up to the race. So that was cool. Charlotte Roval this Sunday, 3 p.m., NBC. Big network television party, people. The Napa Auto Parts Idaho 208 from Meridian Speedway in Meridian, Idaho. Quarter mile short track. Haley Deegan is the defending winner for Bill McAnally Racing, who finished 1-2-3 here last year. And they have won two of the last three races at Meridian. You guys remember it was a historic day. Uh, first female to win a K&M Pro Series race in NASCAR history. Haley did it last year, knocking her teammate Cole Rouse out of the way. I actually just got off the phone with Cole Rouse because I'm currently working on a story for Home Tracks, basically talking to all the major parties involved with that day, from Haley to her dad Brian, her team owner Bill McAnally, her crew chief at the time Kevin Reed Jr., Cole Rouse, and I'm going to try to get in touch with her spotter as well, but... That was a day. That was a day. Sunrise Ford looking for win number three of the year. Jagger Jones looking for his first, obviously, in his rookie season. Trevor Huddleston has the two coming at Irwindale and Evergreen. 
Kart Idaho Racing. It is their home race. Uh, they're opening a go-kart facility in Eagle, Idaho. And they're also going to have a go-kart race before the actual K&N race the morning of. It's in honor of Clem Drost, who was a NASCAR official who passed away last fall. And the, the trophy is going to be a bobblehead of Clem. The officials are going to race each other. The drivers are going to race each other. Uh, I believe the teams might be able to race each other as well. So it's going to be fun to watch. Maybe I'll do some racing out there too. Who knows? Stay tuned to the Twitter account of NASCAR Home Track and myself at Davy Center for some stuff going on there. A couple guys that are making their debuts, Brad Kossow, I believe I'm saying that correctly. He's a Midwest racer who competes in the Wisconsin area. Uh, Devin Dotson, he's not making his debut, but he's racing once again in the 27 car. Uh, a couple more newbies. We have Zach Telford, who's making his first start. He's 15 years old. Kidding me? 15. Remaking his debut for Zach Telford Racing. Did a story on him that's up on NASCAR Home Tracks. He got his car from Trevor Cristiani, another uh, local Idaho native. I know Hannah Newhouse probably isn't listening, which, uh, by the way, Hannah, what's up? Come on, like, listen to my show, please. I listen to Coast to Coast. Fill it in for you. Thank you for that. Anyways. Hannah Newhouse will not be racing, unfortunately, but she raced a late model, super late model at Meridian a couple weeks back, and she did really, really well. So it'll be 208 laps, zero breaks will take place in this race, 52 miles. We'll have some cautions as we normally do, which will make for some fun and entertaining restarts. Derek Krause is up 29 points currently on Haley Deegan. Uh, I think as long as nothing catastrophic happens right there, Derek Krause probably has this title on lock but hey Haley won this race last year you never know what's going to happen in the K&M Pro Series especially on the west coast because stuff gets weird look that's up that week cue the music Christopher Bell wins the Xfinity Series race at Richmond dominating performance once again and he kicks his playoffs off with a checkered flag and it was also announced this week that he's going to the number 95 in the Cup Series for Levine Family Racing Officially now official. They're going to have an enhanced alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, David Wilson of Toyota called it one that's going to be akin to Furniture Row Racing's alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing when Martin Truex Jr. was over there. So right now they have an alliance with them, but now they're going to have a, quote, enhanced alliance with the team. So we touched on it earlier, but Roush Fenway Racing's move, I believe, is a pretty good one. Chris Busher replacing Ricky Stenhouse Jr. there. And the thought in the NASCAR garage was that Busher was going to re-sign with JTG, and Stenhouse had a contract through 2021 with Roush Fenway Racing, but there's clearly an option to terminate that deal. That's what Jack Roush and company over there and Steve Newmark decided to do. I don't think that it's a terrible move, frankly, so we'll see how that plays out for them next year. Jeff Hammond is going to get the Smokey Eunuch Award. He won two championships as a crew chief, so congratulations to him. The start times were revealed for all the 2020 races in Cup, Xfinity, and the Truck Series. Some highlights of the Cup schedule. There are zero, count them zero, 1 o'clock p.m. starts. Martinsville will start at 8 p.m. in the playoffs, I believe. That's the latest start besides the All-Star race. The first four playoff races will be at night. And there will be 16 total races on network television. That is Big NBC and Big Fox. And Matt Borland has been reinstated. He was on the road to recovery program after he failed a drug test for diet coffee. Yeah, just going to leave that one there. That'll wrap things up for episode 30 of Victory Lane 2.0. As I mentioned, I know it kind of sounds trivial. Please leave me a rating or review on this show. Subscribe. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Everywhere you want us, 
that's where we are. And if we're not there, let me know. I'll do the best to get our show out there for you. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. Hope you enjoyed Chris Busher and my conversation. We'll be back next week to recap the action at the Roval, recap Meridian, preview Dover, and hit on everything in between next week. Plus, another great guest. Peace and love, my homies.